Support for this show comes from Factor. Even with the best intentions, it can be hard to eat well. It takes time and effort to plan and cook nutritious, delicious meals. But Factor's ready-to-eat meals can take away some of the work by delivering pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals right to your door. With options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to help you glide through your day. You can head to factormeals.com slash switched50 and use code switched50 to get 50% off. That's code switched50 at factormeals.com slash switched50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. I'm producer Rihanna Cruz. And I'm Sam Sanders. Big fan of the pod. All right, Sam. Okay. You're in charge. Yeah, let's go. All right. Dear listeners, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. And we are heading into Grammy weekend, which means I'm most likely going to be disappointed. Because more often than not, the Grammys get it wrong. They give the awards to the wrong people. So I could think of no better way to talk about the Grammy Awards in advance of this year's Grammys other than dragging the Grammys and their bad taste with my two favorite music journalists. So thank y'all for indulging me. That's high praise. Thank you, Sam. So we spent some time researching and digging through what the three of us believe are the worst Grammy snubs of all time. And we must start with the award for Album of the Year at the 27th Annual Grammy Awards, held in 1985. Bruce Springsteen was up for Born in the USA. Cindy Lauper was up for She's So Unusual. Time after time. Prince and the Revolution were up for Album of the Year for Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Tina Turner for Private Dancer. But Charlie, Rihanna, I'll let y'all tell everybody who won that year. Who won Album of the Year that year and beat <laughs> out all those other nominees? Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie! <laughs> Lionel Richie! Can't slow down. Is that not the greatest Grammy snub of all time? Like, how do you do that as the Grammys? I feel like it's up there. I The, the Lionel album is interesting because it's... Interesting. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> it's Generous. only eight songs, and I think three of those songs are like iconic still played on you know adult contemporary which ones? radio stations all night long hello and stuck on you i hear those are any all of the those time. songs better than purple rain are any of no. those songs better than time after time are any no. of those songs better than any song on the bruce springsteen album born in the usa <laughs> Abs- absolutely not absolutely not i think like this is a terrible snub over all of these great albums are any of those songs better than what's love got to do with it no come on i think the tough thing about <laughs> any of these moments is that the Grammys are, to a certain degree, declaring what is going to enter the canon. And Rihanna's right. We still hear Lionel, no doubt. Important record, but it just pales in comparison. I mean, Purple Rain. Born in the USA is probably one of the most played tracks of all time. Yeah. Uh, it 
resurges every four years or every two years as it is constantly misappropriated for Mm -hmm. uh, political usage. (laughs) Yeah. It's a song about (laughs) America falling apart, but politicians love it. I mean, and, and there's just time after time, time like time after time yeah. is one of the most covered songs ever. <laughs> like all right. of these other things are just more classic. I mean, what does that kind of snub with some of the titans of modern pop? What does that say about the Grammys to the two of you? I mean, I think it says that Grammys will always award, I think, the thing that's more milk toast rather than, you know, the political, sexy, dangerous album of it all. What was that dangerous? Yeah, I'm not saying, I think like in comparison, nothing is really that dangerous, but like, you know, you look at a song like Darling Nikki on Purple Rain, it's like, I can feel some of the Grammy voters in, yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's, you know, I feel like it might not be their first choice in, in the sort of, we have to pick something that represents the Grammys regard, Uh, you know? Yeah, you can also look at like Shebop, that Cyndi Lauper song. It's about something Mm. uh, special. (laughs) (laughs) It's there, yeah. You have a record which is truly unusual. She's so unusual, and it's it is a, a different sort of sound. You, Purple Rain uh, and Private Dancer, both full of charged sexual energy. Born in the USA, uh, you know, deep political commentary. Uh, you go with what's going to work on adult contemporary and play for the next uh, wow. forty years. Wow. All right, that is my. I mean, favorite's not the word. It's my least favorite Grammy Awards situation of all time. <laughs> We've got some other big snubs to go through. What's the next one? Yeah, a snub that I have been fixating on while researching where the Grammys got it wrong is the 2001 Album of the Year race. So, you know, you're entering a new millennium. You think that the Grammys would, you know, maybe want to come back in the new century with a little bit of a freshness to them. But I don't know. You can't give the Grammys too much credit because the Album of the Year that year went to Two Against Nature by Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Yes, I know. Over Kid A by Radiohead. Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. Midnight Vultures by Beck. And you know, a random Paul Simon record, you're the one. But Two Against Nature over Kid A and Marshall Mathers LP, which are, in my opinion, two of the foremost canonical albums of the 21st century, it's crazy. Well, also, were all those nominees for best album that year white guys? <laughs> that's that's also very true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sometimes the Grammys does this thing, right, where I'm sure we're all aware, where they will award album of the year or other big awards to legacy acts in a way to like, I don't know, like affirm their legacy or some shit. I don't know. But this year they gave it to Two Against Nature by Steely Dan. They do it again in 2008 when they gave it to Herbie Hancock over Amy Winehouse. This is like one of the general issues of the Grammys that I think it manifests here clearly. 
Yeah, and particularly with Steely Dan, this is happening because they hadn't put out a record in like 20 years. So when you're looking at the older, skew, white male of the voting members of the Recording Academy, they're like, oh, Steely Dan, I have not seen you in a minute. We (laughs) love you, Steely Dan. Oh, And I have to defend the random Paul Simon record. I think Paul Simon, by contrast, is one of the most uh, successful late careers of someone who's been around since the 60s. Mm. Like, he puts out records that continue to have songs on them that absolutely bring me to tears where lyrics and melody continue to push boundaries. So I actually don't think of him as random, but he's all, you know, he's also on there obviously for the legacy reason as well. And I don't, I, I mean, I like Steely Dan. I'm, it's just I, not the right pick. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like, not the right I, pick. I consider myself part of like the Steely Dan Renaissance. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, like, like Steely Dan is back in the a big way. Please call it Dan. Yeah, the Danasons, baby. Yeah. Yacht Rock is back and it's not going away. But even then, I could like look at this, you know, this list of five albums and even be like, yeah. you know, Midnight Vultures by Beck is a really, really, really great album and is doing more than the Two Against Nature, the Steely Dan record. It's it's so, crazy. Yeah, you know when we. It's funny that you mentioned this snub as it leads into the new century, but I feel like the largest overriding long-term snub in this new century with the Grammys has just been the way that every time Beyonce releases an album that fundamentally changes the music industry and shakes the world, she can never, ever, ever get album of the year. Yeah. Like, it's happened, well, it's happened now with her self-titled album. It's happened with Lemonade. And my big fear is that this coming Sunday at the Grammys, she gets snubbed again for Renaissance. It's annoying. We'll talk more about it later, but that is also (laughs) one of the biggest snubs of all time. But I want to pivot and talk about a third big snub from, like, yesteryear involving a little group you might have heard of called the Beatles. (laughs) I mean, there's many Beatles snubs throughout the Grammys history, which I think is just great to revisit. You know, again, the safe pick does win. So if you go back to 1967, uh, the Beatles revolver, which is often considered, you know, their their magnum opus after Sgt. Pepper's, you know, someone come and fight me. Uh, it, it loses <laughs> over Fink's Sinatra's A Man and His Music. Uh, the next year in 1968, Hey Jude loses Song of the Year to a song called Little Green Apples. Who is that? I somehow have. (laughs) (laughs) Who is? Can you play it? Yeah, what? I have never heard it, Sam. On the fly fact check. Little Green Apples. I mean, I'm some boomers very upset at me right now. Uh, O.C. Smith. Little Green Apples. I got to hear it. Can we pull it up? Yeah. Oh, I wake up in the morning with my hair down and my eyes and she says hi. I'm sorry, what? I stumble to the breakfast table while the kids are going off to school. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. She reaches out mm-hmm. and takes my hand. Squeezes I want to see if I know the chorus. Say, yeah. I know, we got we to gotta wait for it. <laughs> what is the <laughs> Oh, God didn't make little green apples. It don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. Listen, I don't hate it. Yeah. I hate it. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Let me tell you, I hate it. <laughs> but it beats Hey Jude and Mrs. Robinson was also not oh that same Oh my year. God. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? Of the year. And, and lastly, though, it's great. Just two years later for their record, Abbey Road, the Beatles lose to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. What? 
Oh, them. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So Abbey Road loses to that. And, and just to be clear, Spinning Wheel has uh, 16 million plays on Spotify, and I'm not going to even go look at the Beatles. So, yeah, this, you know, not quite getting the canon of popular music right here. Ever. Support for this show comes from Factor. Tired of grocery shopping, of meal prep, the dread of what's in your freezer when you're too tired to cook? Then you might just want to check out Factor. Their ready-to-eat meal delivery is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved all ready to go in just two minutes. Factor has 35 chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals to choose from every week, including options like keto, calorie smart, protein plus, vegan, and more. Craving pancakes for breakfast? Want a smoothie for a midday snack? No matter what time of day or type of meal, Factor's got you covered. Factor let me try out some of their meals, and I was a huge fan of the garlic and herb roasted mushrooms with olive oil mashed potatoes, roasted green beans, and tomatoes. It was super easy to prepare, and it tasted delicious. In addition to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, extra protein, veggie sides, and more. Head to factormeals.com slash switched50 and use code SWITCHED50 to get 50% off. That's code SWITCHED50 at factormeals.com slash switched50 to get 50% off. I want to talk about some more snubs throughout Grammy history, but I do want to take a break and just ask you two music experts how the Grammys can snub an artist while still giving an artist a Grammy. And this requires kind of a conversation about the big four categories and all of the Mm -hmm. other categories. So we've seen in this century... Artists making black music, R&B, and hip-hop. Getting a lot of Grammys, but still being shut out of what's called the big four categories. How does that happen, and what's the big four and all the other stuff? Okay, so the big four categories, record of the year, song of the year, which is the composition, like lyrics and music, whereas the record is the production. You have album of the year, and you have best new artist. Now, all of the members of the Recording Academy can vote in the big four. And then most of the Grammys are actually subgenre awards. There's dozens more. It usually doesn't even air on the Grammys itself. Uh, there are countless awards for every genre imaginable. And uh, recording Academy members are supposed to vote in three of those fields that they call them, sort of genre areas. And within their genre areas, they can vote 10 times. And so part of what's going on is that you've got an institution that is older, skews more white, skews more male because people in the academy have been in it for a long time. And all of our issues of historical inequality exist within this institution. And so those voters are voting in the big four and getting their say about the biggest categories, even though really where they might be experts are in their subgenres and things that really have nothing to do with those big four. And so there's all kinds of weighting and skewing that happens because of uh, just the population of who's voting. Yeah. Well, and then they still get to do the thing where they say, well, Kendrick got a bunch of rap Grammys. Beyonce got a bunch of (laughs) R&B Grammys. Aren't you happy about that? Right. But even then, sometimes the Grammys 
put an artist that has a lot of accolades, you know, in in the journalist world and in the music realm, and they put them in these categories, but don't award them with anything anyway. Like Kendrick Lamar, right? 2014, great year. Good Kid, Mad City had come out. He was nominated for Album of the Year, Best Rap Album, Best New Artist, Best Rap Performance, and Best uh, Rap Sung Performance, and he lost all of them. To who? Rolling in hella deep, headed to the mezzanine, dressed in all pink, set my gator shoes, those are green. Oh, green. to Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I forgot yeah. about yeah. that. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning that Macklemore and Ryan Lewis didn't just win Best New Artist over Kendrick Lamar. They also won over Casey Musgraves, James Blake, and Ed Sheeran. Jesus. And obviously you have this issue of a white rapper winning over a black rapper during a time of raising consciousness of uh, racial inequality. Kendrick Lamar's album, Good Kid, Mad City, paints such detailed imagery of exactly those issues. Same like the whole city go against me. Every time I'm in the street, I hear yuck, 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 yuck. And so, of course, people are going to be riled up over that. And that is what sticks in our memory. But it's worth mentioning that Casey Musgraves, James Blake, and Ed Sheeran have all had arguably much longer and more profound oh, yeah. uh, careers with greater impact than Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. When we brought the idea of talking about Grammy snubs to you both, y'all went ahead and like made Excel spreadsheets that break down the snubs <laughs> by various demographic categories. Yeah. Based on your research, what type of artist is most likely to be snubbed by the Grammys in the big four categories? Well, it depends when you're looking over time. Like if you go back to the beginning of the Grammys mm-hmm. at the end of the 50s and through the 60s, you know who wins? A lot of white dudes. Yeah. Uh, Women don't really start winning actively until the 70s. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're looking at the big four categories recently, there is more of a a gender mix, but you don't have a lot of representation of non-binary and trans folks in there. If you look at race, same kind of story. While a lot of white folks winning a lot of Grammys for a very long time, though, in the 80s and 90s, a lot more black winners, a lot more multiracial groups winning. And there's a decline or a regression, though, that happens at the same era of the decline of the CD. 2007 through 2017, a lot of white folks winning the big four again. Uh, more recently, it's kind of been split over the last couple of years. It's also worth noting that in the last 20 years or so, there's been a lot more consensus voting, meaning there have been more artists who are sweeping more categories in the big four uh, rather than having, uh, you know, three or four unique artists in the big four categories winning those awards. I've noticed that. So, like, there's this kind of phenomenon that I see with the Grammys in the last several years where every few years they find a very charming white woman to give all the awards to. <laughs> and I like these women's music, yeah, but it's yeah. like all the awards, like Adele will sweep the Grammys. You know, Billie Eilish sweeps the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift sweeps the Grammys. And it's kind of like there's a special place among those voters for a certain kind of white woman who is popular enough and also critically loved enough to just take everything. I mean, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> real. <laughs> and listen, no shade on any of those women. I still play that first Billie Eilish record. It's oh, impeccable. It's but like to see Billie Eilish have a good album and win all the awards and then see Beyonce make several great albums and not get the same awards, that's my problem. Right. You know? right. And she wins record of the year the year after that she sweeps 
the Grammys over other artists. Could have been Dua Lipa, Post Malone, Megan Thee Stallion. Of course, The Weeknd wasn't nominated for anything that year. But there is a conservative quality to the voting in the big four. And so it yeah. seems as though you're like, well, like Billy. Billy was great last year. And, you know, if you're a... There are a ton of classical musicians who are represented in the Grammys. And, you know, they, they ought to be awarded Grammys in their category, of course. But, you know, if they're voting in the big four, they might not be following pop music. And they're like, Billy, I know that name. Okay, Billy. Oh, I know her. In. She's yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you write it in. Well, and then it's like when I think of some of the ways the Grammys have tried to fix their problem, which is ultimately at its core kind of a race problem. Yeah. One of their biggest fixes kind of hasn't fixed anything. I'm thinking about the Latin Grammys. This is a whole new award show. Right. But there's like some demographic issues and controversies there as well. Yeah. I mean, look at, you know, there was an uproar because despite the qualification for the Latin Grammys being like any music that's released in Spanish or Portuguese, you know, language wise. Rosalia won album of the year for Motomami, which is a great record. But a lot of people were, you know, angry because she's not from Latin America, you know, and it's she's from Spain. Right. Exactly. She's from Spain. And she's a white Western European woman. Exactly. Who speaks Spanish. Exactly. And despite the Grammys having these sort of, or the Latin Grammys rather, having these sort of nebulous qualities where it's like, well, you know, it has to be in Spanish and that counts as Latin music. It's still a weird sort of thing. And it's the Recording Academy's job to sort of deal with that um, that criticism, you know? I think it's become an increasingly uncomfortable issue when the rise of Latin American music, Spanish language, Portuguese language music in the United States has become deeply integrated with the Hot 100, which paved way for so much Spanish language music where these boundaries of what is music that's happening in Latin America, which there should be an award show for music, which is predominantly played in Latin America. Absolutely. But then a lot of that music is also played in the United States and it's unclear where those boundaries and I hate to say it, but borders should exist. There's also the weird sort of discrepancy between the, you know, American Grammys, if for lack of a better term, and the Latin Grammys, because Rosalia won Album of the Year at the Latin Grammys, and Bad Bunny was nominated, but didn't win for Un Verano Sin Ti. So it's like, Un Verano Sin Ti is nominated for the American Album of the Year. So that's like, it's a weird, like, interesting difference between the things that yeah. even get nominated at both Grammys. Yeah. I think I'll do all the voting. I'll tell them who should get the awards. And it's going to be uh, Beyonce up and down that ballot. Because why not? It's time. Anywho. What do you think is going to happen this year, Sam? I think the Grammys know that they've got to honor Beyonce. If you recall last year at the Grammys, mm-hmm. uh, which were outside because it was still kind of a pandemic moment. I remember those. But they made a big hullabaloo about Beyonce getting one of the lesser category wins, but they made a big to-do out of it because it made her at that point the most awarded woman in Grammy history. Mm. So they already know it is a moment in which to give Beyonce her flowers. So I think if the voters can at all read the tea leaves and recognize a good art, it goes to Renaissance. That is my hope. If you look at the other albums in the category, I, I think it's more pointing to Beyonce, but there's also formidable contenders like 30 by Adele, the Bad Bunny record, I I think is my favorite album of the year and I wouldn't be mad if it won. 
But there's also like Grammy favorites in there that kind of muddy the waters a little bit because the mm, Grammy voters, ABBA. they there's an ABBA record in there for, you know, their, their first record after 30 years or so. There's the Brandy Carlisle record, which I know the Grammy voters go like crazy over. There's a random Coldplay record that I've never heard of before. There's <laughs> not Coldplay. I know. There's Special by Lizzo, which they also love. The the Grammy voters love Lizzo over there and, you know, Harry's house. And Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Suppers. Oh, but not my. a great Kendrick album. I'm sorry. This was <laughs> I know. not a great I think Kendrick it was a album. Subconscious, I'll fight somebody over there. A, a subconscious it was, it step was, over. Yeah, we all want to forget this latest Kendrick album. Right. Sorry, Kendrick, love you, mean it. Right. I think part of what Rihanna, you're acknowledging here is that you have this same historical artist, potentially ABBA, you know, even Coldplay fits in there a little right. bit. And, and Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige had a record out this year. Good morning, gorgeous. That's what it's called. I, okay, good for her, but I didn't hear it. I must have been under a rock. It's pretty solid. I wake up every morning and tell myself. So take me back to the early 2000s, Mary. Go ahead. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Uh, All right. Last question as we close this episode. Will the Grammys ever get better at this? Uh, I'm going to say no. (laughs) Charlie. I want to believe in progress. A hopeful, cynically optimistic yes. I like that. I have no hope. I have no hope. (laughs) But we shall see. Tell the Grammys fuck that 0 for 8 shit. Listen, Charlie, Rihanna, thank y'all so much for being here. This was a delightful chat with a bunch of music, which I love. Listeners, go check out Switched on Pop right now. Do it. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Support for this show came from Factor. You don't need me to tell you that finding nourishing food that actually tastes good can be easier said than done. Factor might be able to help. With Factor, you can get fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals sent right to your home, ready to go in just two minutes. Factor provides no prep, no mess meals. That means no cooking or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash switched50 and use code switched50 to get 50% off. That's code switched50 at factormeals.com slash switched50 to get 50% off.